What's up, guys? Before we get to this episode, I do have a quick announcement. It's a very important one. We have officially launched the Whiskey Noobs Patreon page. So this is the first ever subscription-based page for Whiskey Noobs that you guys can financially support the show through. It'd be very much appreciated, but please do not feel pressured to. If you do feel so inclined, you're going to get behind-the-scenes footage. You're going to get voting rights in polls that actually determine the course of the show. You're going to be able to submit Q&A questions and have a guarantee that they will be answered before the questions on Instagram because, as I have mentioned, I can't get to all the questions anymore. And I want to make sure those who really want to know the answer, who are really interested in Whiskey Noobs, are the ones that are getting their questions answered. You're also going to get access to the Whiskey Noobs Quick Review Guide, depending on the tier that you join. This is a guide that I am putting together. It has every whiskey that we have done a full review of on the show, and I'm adding more to it. I'm working on adding every whiskey that I even know about that I have tried. I'm going to be updating it every month, and the end goal really is to have a database of basically every whiskey I've ever tried. You can scroll down to it in alphabetical order and say, okay, he says oak, spice, caramel, generally speaking, and you can use that to start. Start off your basis as to whether you want to buy the bottle and go from there with your own opinion. So if you're interested in things like that, you got to go check out that Patreon page. It's at the link in the show notes and also in my bio on both of my social media channels. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. I appreciate everybody who just listens to the show. If that's all you do, I appreciate the heck out of you. If you want to financially support the show, then that is much appreciated as well. So without further ado, I'm going to get to the actual show for this week. God bless you guys. Let's get to Whiskey Noobs. A lot of folks have been asking me questions about the Bourbon Trail lately, and today we have the first episode where we're going to dive into it a little bit. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. And as I mentioned, we're going to discuss my most recent trip to Kentucky in this episode and touch on some of the things that I saw, and most importantly, do a full review of the tour of the Maker's Mark Distillery that I went on. But before we get to that, since this is not a full review episode, we do have a mystery tasting. So I will be doing a very quick tasting of a whiskey that we've had on the show before. This whiskey has been within the last 10 review episodes. I'm going to do some quick tasting just to give a couple of notes, a little bit of a basis of the flavor that I'm getting from it, and you can try to guess it at home if you'd like. This can help you with your blind tasting ability and your ability to recognize these notes tend to equal this type of whiskey. So without further ado, let's start that mystery tasting now. On the nose for this one, I'm getting a honey, kind of a pale cream, and then definitely some of the alcohol burn. On the palate, I'm getting kind of like a custard cream with like baking spices, like maybe it's cinnamon, maybe it's nutmeg, those sort of baking spices. So I will elaborate a little bit on those notes later on in the show, but for now, let's get to the topic of today, and that is my trip to Kentucky, most importantly highlighting my tour of the Maker's Mark facility. So as I mentioned in the very beginning, a lot of people have been asking me about the bourbon trail, about going to Kentucky, where to go, uh, different distillery tours, things like that. And the fact of the matter is I am very admittedly new to this topic. I, previous to this most recent trip, I had not gone to the bourbon trail, had not gone to distilleries in Kentucky before. And I'm actually working on kind of expanding that in 2023. I want to really visit more distilleries, really learn more about it. Uh, Not just because people 
people are asking me, but also because obviously as a whiskey lover, it's a lot of fun. Up to now, I just really haven't had the time or resources to be able to do something like that. Uh, for those of you who are newer here, if you haven't heard me mention it before, I started this show, uh, I think I released the first episodes like a week before I graduated college, so I was big time broke college student when I started this show. And we've been building on it ever since. So definitely not in any financial state to take trips to Kentucky when I first started the show. And life gets busy. And so now I'm finally crossing some things off my bucket list. I finally got to go down to the Maker's Mark facility as well as a couple of other facilities. I went to a couple distilleries gift shops uh, but didn't take tours there. I just took a tour at Maker's Mark. So I just did a quick little long weekend trip. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what I saw, especially because I know Maker's is a very popular tour down there and some people might wonder what they can expect or what they could look forward to or if I would recommend it and those are all the types of things that I'm going to talk about in this episode. Hopefully moving forward I can do more of these tours and more kind of reviews even if they're mini reviews of different places down in Kentucky because that was a lot of fun and I'm, I'm excited to see more of them. But let's start with just the overall trip down to Kentucky. So I left here and we headed, my wife and I headed in the direction of Maker's Mark. And on the way there we noticed we were going to get there super early because I always plan my road trips out so I have plenty of time if anything goes wrong, especially because I'd already had the tour booked. So it was like We had to get there and we had to do the tour and I had to be there on time. So we start getting closer. We realized we had a little bit extra time. And what is on the way to Maker's Mark except for Buffalo Trace, of course. So it was it was pretty much on the way. I want to say it might have been like 10 minutes off of our route, which is not a big deal at all. So we ran down to the Buffalo Trace gift shop. Uh, we made fools of ourselves by not checking in the first time because we didn't know you had to. So for all of those listening who think they might want to visit Buffalo Trace, you have to go through this little visitor center area and get a bracelet in order to go down to the gift shop so make sure you do that and yes that is abnormal at least compared to wild turkey which we also stopped at but wild turkey is kind of a unique situation which i'll touch on here in a second so we went and we made a little bit of fool of ourselves people were like hey you need wristbands we we're like oh good to know so then we go down to the visitor center we give them our ids get wristbands and then from there you kind of walk up this little hill and you go down into the gift shop The gift shop was overwhelmingly flooded with people. Um, I don't know if it was just the day. We were there on a weekend, of course. And I don't know if it was just the day or what it was. The gift shop was out of hand with people. I'm sure Buffalo Trace is usually pretty packed, but it just seemed particularly packed on this day. I don't know why. But it was super cool. Uh, They had Weller Special Reserve out that day and Sazerac Rye. I grabbed a bottle of Sazerac because I already had Weller Special Reserve, but I I, I wanted a backup bottle of Sazerac Rye. I like Sazerac Rye. So I grabbed a bottle of that. They had a bunch of really cool stuff there. Uh, It's a very good looking visitor center and very large, even though there were a bunch of people there. It It was a nice big area. So I got a couple photos, got a bottle there, and then we took off because we had to get to our tour at Maker's Mark. Then on the way, I'll get to the Maker's Mark tour. That's going to be like most of this show. But then on the way from Maker's Mark to Louisville, we stopped at the Wild Turkey gift shop. Now, the Wild Turkey gift shop, at least at the time that we were there, from my understanding, is a temporary shop, if I'm not mistaken. So I think they must be working on their actual gift shop or something. It was in the small little kind of uh, almost like a house that had been converted into this gift shop, like a like a single floor house that was converted into this gift shop. 
but it was still really cool. Um, I really liked, they had like this little, almost like mini distillery. Uh, I forget the word for those. Um, like diorama is diorama the word for that i think where it's like a mini version of something anyways it looked pretty cool i was able to get a sample of some wild turkey kentucky spirit which i'm not able to get here in ohio and on that day specifically they let you keep the glass so that was pretty cool so i still have the glass from that and overall it was a super cool visit to wild turkey it was just kind of quick on our way to and from and i really enjoyed that as well but that is not, we didn't tour Wild Turkey. We didn't tour Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace tours book up super early, by the way. If you're looking to go visit the Bourbon Trail, here's my first tip, and that is that Buffalo Trace books up super quick. So we didn't get any Buffalo Trace tours. Uh, we didn't even plan on going to Wild Turkey, but it was just on the way. So we were like, hey, let's stop and check it out. I like Wild Turkey. So I don't have too much information on those other than what I just gave you, but I have plenty on Maker's Mark. So Maker's Mark we it was our destination. We didn't plan on those other two stops, but we end up finally getting to Maker's Mark after we stop at Buffalo Trace and the, the crowds of people that were there. And we get to Maker's Mark. Uh, there were significantly less people, at least in the waiting area where we were, which was nice. Uh, but we did see other tour groups and things, so that there was definitely uh, quite a few tours going on. But way, way less crowded, I should say. So we get to the little waiting area, and they, they stage us up there, and then we began our tour, which is what I'm going to probably spend uh, the most time talking about. I did the normal Maker's Mark tour, so they have one called Behind the Bourbon. I can't comment on that. I don't know how nice it was because I just did the normal tour of Maker's Mark. For those of you who are wondering, at least as of my visit to Kentucky, as which was January of 2023, so as of January of 2023, you can dip your bottle with just the normal Maker's Mark tour. I just am saying that in case for some reason they change it. But the normal tour, at the end, you go to the gift shop and you can do your own bottle dip. That was one thing that was a little bit unclear to me, kind of hard to figure out online. So just wanted to make that clear for everybody. So I do the normal Maker's Mark tour, um, and I didn't want to be like the nerd taking notes the whole time, and also our tour guide didn't want us recording him talking too much, which is totally fair. Uh, so I was just... Not really taking notes, but I was repeating things in my head a lot to try to remember them so that I could tell you guys about them. And of course, so that I could remember it and get my money's worth, because at the end of the day, I am a nerd and I was taking notes in my head. I was just wasn't writing them down. So let's talk about what we saw. Now, this is going to be a little bit out of order of what the tour actually was, but I'm just kind of kind of follow the whiskey making process. If I recall correctly, the tour was actually... Um, distillery and then the mash tons and then the uh, label maker I want to say like the labeled uh, dye press then we went from there to maybe it was the Rick House and then Rick House to Makers 46 and so on but that's not important because what I'm going to walk you through is in the order of the whiskey making process just because that's the easiest way uh, in my brain to, to organize it so the first thing that we saw was where they heat up the mash, uh, which you can only kind of see. You basically just see this giant vat that's sealed, and they're heating up the mash in order to convert those starches in the mash into sugar. So that was uh, one of the things that you're able to see, which you don't really see much. I don't really blame them, because why do you really want to watch mash basically boiling? I don't think it gets to boiling point, but getting up to those pasteurization temperatures and those temperatures where they break down the starch, nothing to really see there. But the next thing 
in the process, which was really cool, is we got to see the mash tons. So this is, if you've ever seen those photos, it looks like a giant, giant, I can't stress this enough, barrel. Like a, a barrel that's probably 15 feet in diameter. It's not actually a barrel, but it looks like one. And it's all full of what they call the mash. So if you've seen a photo of this, it looks like it's full of just bubbling cornmeal basically and this is that's their mash in those giant barrels and they put it in there after they do all the heating up and the breaking down and that is where it's going to ferment and that's why it's bubbling is because it's fermenting so if you've ever seen those videos or those photos and it's bubbling even really aggressively there was one that was bubbling super aggressively i i got a cool video of it that's not because it's boiling that is because it's fermenting. The yeast is breaking it down and releasing air. Now, those mash tuns, we got to hold our hand over the top of it. They're open top, so you can see this. It looks like just soggy cornmeal, like I said, boiling. And we got to hold our hands over it. And when you hold your hand over it, you can feel it getting really hot. And a lot of people think it's because they're cooking the mash, trying to keep it warm to do something to it. That's actually not the case. It's because the yeast is breaking it down and fermenting it. And that, as a, as a byproduct, is making it hot, which is really cool because... You know, on a mini scale, you might see this type of a thing, especially if you know anybody who makes wine at home. But on such a large scale, seeing it, I mean, there was real heat coming off of it. It was pretty crazy to actually be able to feel with your hand over top of it. So that was a really cool part of the tour that we got to see. And just by pure coincidence, I think, I don't imagine they plan it this way because it would be a really hard thing to plan. Uh, we saw them kind of lower the, it's like a big crane lever with a spigot on it that fills up the mash tons and i got a quick video of it finishing up filling up one of the mash tons which was really cool so it's just like this giant i don't want to say hose it's like a pipe they lower over top of the mash ton and it dumps a bunch of mash into it so i got to see that which was super cool as well so then you've got your fermented mash. What's the next step in the process? Of course, the next step is to make it into whiskey. So we got to see their stills, which was super cool. You can actually see they have like a, a window where the whiskey dumps out. And you can so you can see it dumping out of this still at an unimaginable rate. I mean, it's just flowing out of there like a broken pipe in your basement with water coming out. of it. It's just coming out that fast. So that was super cool to see. And um, you can see that there's actually two of them. So they do a double distillation process and you can see uh, the whiskey or the new make actually pouring out of each of those, which was super cool. Um, it's not it's usually called new make or white dog at that stage because it hasn't been aged. So it's just clear. It's basically moonshine at this point because it hasn't been in a barrel yet. For those of you who don't know, if you're newer and you're listening to this. Bourbon cannot have any coloring added to it. So the coloring comes from the barrel. So when you see it coming out of a still, it looks exactly like moonshine because it basically is moonshine. They call it new make. They call it white dog. They call it white lightning. That's what they're referring to is it's basically moonshine um, because it hasn't been aged yet. And then from there, we went to where it goes from moonshine to bourbon. And that was the Rick House or warehouse. So you'll hear warehouses called rack houses or rick houses a lot of the times um, what they're referring to is the location the building where they are aging the whiskey in its barrels so then we went into one of those by the way so as i mentioned i was very inexperienced with distillery tours prior to this the rick house smelled so good it if you could make it into a candle i would buy that candle all day every day 
the mixture of the oak. And then, of course, if you don't know this, whiskey evaporates as it's in the barrels. So you're basically surrounded by whiskey air and this oaky wood of the the rick house and the barrels it smelled so good so we just stopped there pretty quick got a little bit of a spiel about the barrels and about how they do their barrels they roll their barrels and how the the barrels have to be clocked so that the opening or believe it or not it's actually called the bunghole so that the bung is on top because if it's not up at 12 o'clock then you will have whiskey leak out of it and over the course of six or so years that whiskey will be completely empty if you have a very very slow leak uh, and then we learned that makers is typically distilled up, or not distilled i'm sorry aged about six and a half years sometimes up to seven and they talk a little bit about the history of the distillery those sorts of things i will run through a few of those fun facts that didn't really take place at any one location i'll run through those at the end because there were some pretty cool fun facts throughout the tour as well so you get to see the rick house you get to see the distillery you get to see the mash tons and then we also got to see where they do the stave profile experiments and makers 46 now, let me explain this, especially for those who don't know what Makers 46 is. For a long time, I didn't either. Makers Mark 46 is basically plain Makers Mark that they take and they put it in a barrel and they finish it with French oak staves. I, I forget how long it's finished for. It's not very long. I, I want to say they said nine weeks, but I'm probably a little bit off, but it's not nearly as long as you would anticipate it being. It's not years. It's not very many months, anything like that. So they take the maker's mark, they age it with those staves, and it gives it this very unique character. And so the staves that they used, as I mentioned, they were French oak. They're seared French oak, and the way they sear them is a particular process. The, the smoothness, the roughness of the stave is a particular process. And so as they were doing all of these experiments before they landed on this recipe, they were, they were trying all these different staves. Uh, Maker's Mark 46, the stave profile that they ended up with was the 46th stave profile, was known as stave profile number 46. Thus the name Maker's Mark 46, that's where it comes from. And eventually they expanded this, so it was just Maker's Mark 46. Well, then later on, they decided we got all these different types of staves. We could char them. We could sear them. We could toast them. We can have texture to them. We can have smoothness to them. We could do all these different things with all these different staves. They don't need to be French oak. They could be American oak. They could be all different kinds of wood. What if we do different combinations of them? And that is where Maker's Mark stave profiles come from. So if you've seen any of the like barrel pick type bottles that are a specific stave profile at your local liquor store, that is a different type of stave profile. That means they're not just using the French oak staves. They're not just doing it the same way they do Maker's 46. They're using different combinations. And it'll say those combinations on the bottle. So that is what the stave profiles mean. And we got to see where they do that at. And we got to see the Rick House that whole holds those barrels which was very cool to see so that was very cool and as a fan of makers 46 I, I don't know if i've mentioned this very recently on the podcast but i like makers 46 way more than i like normal makers mark normal makers mark to me is just a little bit meh makers mark number 46 huge fan of and i like a lot of their stave profiles uh so that was pretty cool to get to see where that was and then from there we went and saw where the old stamping dies are that they still use to this day to stamp out the labels so if you've ever looked closely at a bottle of maker's mark you'll see that it's got this 
kind of like wavy edge on the label. And the story goes that the founder of the distillery, Bill Samuels, his wife, Margie, wanted to come up with a very cool looking label. So she hand tore these labels and gave it that like fuzzy frayed look on it. And she showed him and he's like, check out how, or she's like, check out how cool these labels look. And he's like, yeah, those look awesome. Except that's totally not feasible to have us rip all of our labels by hand. So they settled on these super old stamping dies. I forget how old they are. I'll be totally honest with you, but they're super duper old. And they, and they still use those dies to this day. And it gives it that wavy edge that they have on the labels. So we got to see that. We got a little souvenir label which was really cool and uh, that was about it for the labels then of course we got to see where they do the bottling and where they do the dipping for those of you who don't know this maker's mark you know it has that wax melted on the top of the bottle every bottle of maker's mark is hand dipped so we got to see where they actually do that hand dipping which was really cool to see they didn't have the line running at that time because i was there on a weekend uh, but we got to see at least where they do it it is not where the tourists do it in case somebody didn't know that the tourists have their own little vats of wax that we get to dip in but the uh, the actual production dipping goes on elsewhere. So that was also very cool to see. And prior to this tour, full disclosure, I did not know that they hand dipped all their bottles. So that was pretty interesting. Now that was pretty much the whiskey making process, right? Cause then it's in a bottle and they sell it and that's about the end of it. But there was a lot of other stuff that I learned while I was there. I'm sure I missed some stuff as well, but here are some of the other things that I learned that I did not know. So I thought it was pretty cool if I thought it was cool, I basically kept retelling it in my brain so that I wouldn't forget it. And this is what I came up with. So first one that I actually just mentioned is I did not know every bottle was hand dipped. So that was pretty cool to see uh, how every bottle is hand dipped. Another thing that you don't think about if you haven't visited distilleries is that they rinse out the bottles with whiskey. They rinse out the Maker's Mark bottle with Maker's Mark before they fill it with Maker's Mark. Because if you rinse it out with water, then it could lower the proof of it. So they rinse it out with whiskey to make sure there's no debris in there, and then they fill it with whiskey. I thought that was a little bit neat as well. The other thing, another thing that I learned was that it is made in quote-unquote small batches of about 270 barrels, if I remember correctly. I want... I'm taking a guess here. I want to say it was 278 barrels, but I remember for sure that it was between 200 and 300 barrels. And so small batch, just to be clear, doesn't have any legal definition. You can call pretty much anything a small batch whiskey. It usually just means, or small batch bourbon, it usually just means that it's made in smaller batches than full mass production batches, whatever that means. Uh, so I didn't realize this. I mean, I definitely didn't know the size of their batches. So I thought that was pretty interesting to hear from them is that it's about that roughly 270 barrel mark, assuming my, me- assuming my memory serves me. Another really cool thing that we saw, this was in that area where they have the Maker's Mark 46. Uh, they have this super cool room for people who are picking out their own private barrel, like doing a barrel pick. Um, so if you're picking out your stave profile, they have this awesome room that is just, it's gorgeous looking. It's got this nice, like, it's all this, you know, nice polished wood look to it. And they've got all these shelves of all the stave profiles that they've sold, which was wild to look at. You can see, I mean, it's just so many makers bottles all stacked up on these shelves. That was super cool. Um, and the room to pick out a barrel was super cool. Hit me up makers, Mark, if you uh, want me to pick a barrel, whatever. Uh, so I, I thought that was very neat to see um, because it's not, it's kind of a peek behind the curtain that you don't always really think about. So that's, I, I thought that was pretty neat. 
Then there was a lot of information about uh, the founder, Bill Samuel's wife, Margie, which I didn't anticipate and I thought it was very cool. Um, A lot of what they talked about felt a lot like a history lesson. And so part of that was that like the whole distillery is very well renovated, very well kept, but it is a historical site, I believe uh, recognized by the state of Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. It's a historical site because Bill Samuel's wife whenever he was pumping money into the distillery, said we need to pump money into also keeping this place nice and restoring it. And so she spent a lot of her time with renovating the actual distillery. She also played a role in a lot of the aspects of the design. I mentioned that she wanted those hand-torn labels because she thought they looked cool. They She also played a pretty big role in the the shape of the bottle, the dipping in the glass, all of those sorts of things. So I didn't really know where that stuff came from prior to this tour, but now I do and I get to share it with you. And spoiler alert, if you go on the tour, because this is all stuff that you're going to learn there, but this is an in-depth review and so that's why I'm telling you. The first thing that I learned is that, you know, whiskey bottles back when they came out with Maker's Mark originally were mostly shaped kind of like wine bottles. They were that tall, skinny look. Uh, You didn't really veer off of that too much. But uh, as the story goes, as they tell you, uh, Margie liked the shape of cognac bottles and the look of cognac bottles. Cognac bottles were a little bit shorter and squattier than wine bottles. And also, a lot of times, cognac was sealed with wax, which is where we get the wax dip on Maker's Mark, or so they tell us. So she actually apparently used a home fryer, so like a, a, a oil fryer like you would use to make french fries, I'm assuming. She used it to melt wax and dip bottles in order to do some experiments to see what it looked like, and that is where the Maker's Mark hand-dipped bottle comes from. She also collected pewter, and this is actually more important than I would have thought it was. We got to see a little bit of her pewter collection, and it turns out she liked the stamp that they left on the pewter. It was the maker's mark on the pewter, and so that is kind of where that name comes from, and it's why they have that stamp on the maker's mark bottle to kind of indicate it's like their their mark. Uh, So that is where that comes from, which I thought was also pretty neat. So that is most of what I learned from the tour in a nutshell. Now let's talk about what I liked, what I didn't like, and also whether or not I would recommend it. Let's start with what I didn't like. Bad news first, as always, right? I wish the tasting was just a little bit more adventurous. Um, For our tasting, we got normal Maker's Mark, Maker's Mark 101, Maker's Mark 46, Maker's Mark 46 cask strength, and then we got one of the stave profiles. I wish it was a little bit more adventurous. I think they could have really shown off what the stave profiles are if you did a couple stave profiles instead of maybe maybe even normal makers. I don't know. I feel like you have to have normal makers in there, but it's just not that exciting for me. So I wish it was a little bit more adventurous, but the tasting was a lot of fun. So at the end, you do get to do a tasting. It is included in the tour, and we tasted those five that I just mentioned to you. It was a fun tasting, and it was enjoyable to I, I like being led through tastings because I, a lot of the times I'm leading people through tastings so it's nice to just sit back and have somebody you know kind of explain it and talk about what they're smelling what they're tasting I enjoyed that part of it um, and then the other thing that I would add is I would have liked to see them dumping the barrels and see their diluting process maybe that's just because I'm a whiskey nerd so like maybe most people wouldn't want to see that but I think it'd be cool to see barrels actually being dumped I thought that would have been cool to see So I wish we would have got to see that, but we didn't. 
And that's about all I can say for things I don't like about it because it, it was a very enjoyable tour. So let's talk about what I did like about it. It was very educational. And as I said, the facility is like a historical site. So it is gorgeous. It was really cool to walk around the grounds. It was a little bit chilly outside. It was January, uh, but we had a pretty nice day. And so it was really cool to walk around those grounds and to see all of that cool stuff. I really enjoyed that. I also liked there was enough information for whiskey nerds like me, like a lot of the stuff that I regurgitated to you and that I find super interesting. There were also enough introductions and kind of breadcrumbs for people who don't know a lot about whiskey to be able to understand what was going on. So a great example that I like to give is uh, our tour guide, when he was talking about their mash bill, he said, um, so they have this in the mash bill, and he said the mash bill is the recipe basically for the whiskey. It's what goes into it, the ingredients that go into it. And so they, they really feed you the information that you need to understand what they're talking about. You don't just have to be a whiskey nerd. And that leads me to the final thing that I really liked about it, perhaps most importantly, is that even my wife had fun. So men, you can tell your wives, I promise you're going to love it because Chris from Whiskey Noobs' wife liked it. <laughs> That's not a guarantee your wife's going to like it. But my wife did have fun. She said that she would recommend it. She thought it was a lot of fun. She even did the tasting. She was not a fan of most of the whiskeys. If you haven't heard me mention it before, my wife does not like whiskey. But weirdly the maker's mark 46 cast strength she was a little bit of a fan of she's like that actually tasted kind of good so whatever that's about i thought that was super cool the tasting was welcoming enough that she didn't hate it she didn't puke she didn't gag she you know it was welcoming they did a good job and um obviously they don't force you to drink it she was just trying it so that she could go along with the tasting the most important question of all out of all of this would i recommend it Absolutely. I would recommend this tour to anybody. I would recommend going down to Kentucky and checking out these distilleries to anybody. I, of course, am going to be doing more of it, but I do like to kind of bring you these in-depth reviews as I can because I want to know going down if I would like it or if it would be fun or if I should bring my wife. And turns out that all of those were a yes. I did like it. It was fun. And I'm glad I brought my wife with me. So it was a fun thing to do. And as I mentioned, you do get to dip your bottle at the end. If you want, you have to buy the bottle. If you buy any unsealed bottle from their gift shop, then you get to dip it yourself, which of course I did if you haven't seen the video already. So that was a lot of fun as well. The gift shop was pretty cool. We didn't hang around too long because I wanted to get that bottle dipped and they were closing pretty quickly. So uh, we dipped the bottle and we got out of there. All in all, I would definitely recommend it. I don't, as I've mentioned, I don't have a ton of experience on tours. This was my first big distillery tour that I've been on. So I can't recommend to you guys, you know, versus other ones, but I would absolutely in general recommend it. I think it was a blast. I think it was worth the money. I want to say it was a little less than 50 bucks for my wife and I, or maybe it was a little bit more, something like that. Not each, but for both of us. Uh, and I thought it was worth every penny. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot about it. And just in general, you learn a lot about the history of it. You get to see all this really cool stuff. So I, I don't even think you really need to be a whiskey nerd to enjoy it. But if you are a whiskey nerd like me, you really will enjoy it as well. All right, so that is the tour of the Maker's Mark facility. Let's round out this episode with our mystery tasting. I will give some more specific notes here, and then we'll wrap up. So I definitely didn't say this in the episode where I had this, but that sip actually reminded me a little bit of like an oat milk, and I also noticed a little bit of what I might call like anise. 
I definitely didn't say that in the episode where I had this, but I definitely, or at least I think I did say something along the lines of creamy, custardy, almost puddingy with some spices to it. This one's a little bit of a hard one to guess, so I'm not going to uh, deduct any points if you didn't get this one. So I always say it's nice to try to narrow it down first, bourbon, scotch, Irish, try to narrow it down to one of those categories. This is a hard one to do that for, but I will tell you, this is a bourbon, and if you listened to the episode, then maybe you remembered it, maybe you were able to guess, this is Wyoming Whiskey's Small Batch Bourbon. So I'm actually glad I revisited it. I wanted to revisit it because I was like, I don't remember too much of what that one tasted like. I want to do a more in-depth tasting, and it definitely just has this nice, creamy, almost reminded me of like a rice pudding type flavor, kind of custardy. And now as it's sitting, maybe on the finish, maybe just a touch of like a raisin. Let me try it one more time. So I'm just going to throw that in last minute, maybe like a touch of like a raisin or something like that. Uh, But I'm enjoying it quite a bit. It does have a good alcohol burn to it, a good amount, I should say, of alcohol burn. Stays on your tongue a little bit, but after a few sips, it's not too bad. You do adjust to it. It's not the type that just burns incessantly no matter how much you drink it. So I enjoyed it. Hopefully, you guys did a good job of guessing it. Like I said, that can really help with your blind tasting skills. And of course, it's just a little bit of fun. It keeps you guys thinking, keeps it interactive. So I'm not just speaking into the void here. But hopefully, you were able to guess it. If not, then better luck next time. I do do this on almost every non-review episode, episode where I don't do a full review of a whiskey. Hopefully, this description of my trip to Kentucky was helpful for you guys. There was a a few tidbits in there that I really wanted to know before I went, so I figured the best thing I can do is share it with all of you who most likely are considering something like this. That way, you know what to anticipate. So, I thought it was awesome. The Maker's Mark Distillery Tour. Maker's Mark, you did a great job. I really enjoyed it. Also, by the way, my tour guide was awesome. He was hilarious. We had a tour guide named Christopher. He had an awesome name, great name, and he was hilarious. He told some awesome jokes. He really kept it upbeat. He kept it fun. So I was I was very impressed by the tour. I really had a lot of fun. I would maybe even do it again or go and do the uh, Behind the Bourbon tour or what did I call it? Is it Behind the Bourbon or Beyond the Bourbon? Um, it is called the Behind the Bourbon tour. I might even go back and do something like that at some point, but of course I want to go see other distilleries first. So worth doing, definitely dip your own bottle. I thought it was awesome. And if any of you guys go visit, let me know what you think about it. And hopefully this episode was helpful for you if you are considering going. That's all that I've got for this review of the Maker's Mark Distillery Tour. So thank you guys all for listening. I'll leave you with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review to help grow the show and get the word out. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at whiskey underscore noobs and on TikTok at whiskey noobs podcast. If you want to drink right along with me, make sure to join the email list by sending an email to whiskey noobs podcast at gmail.com with a subject line saying email list. You will receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time and drink right along with the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode. The Whiskey Noobs podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.